just to sound check, what did you have for breakfast? Um, I actually thought I was going to be asked this, and my answer is pretty pathetic. Um, <laughs> I had uh, two slices of a mandarin orange. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, like, off white, off white bread with butter on it, but two slices uh, of I probably I usually skip breakfast, um, but it was just... Uh, but my partner Morgan, she was uh, she just had an orange. I was like, oh, here I have this before you go. And I was like, okay. <laughs> also now I'm playing. I had breakfast after midday. But we'll move on swiftly from that. <laughs> well, are you a are you a night owl? Oh, 100 percent. Okay, because that was a that's like a very gaming stereotype. I didn't want to uh, so, so straight into I, the stereotype. I, I, I didn't want to be racist right off the bat. Like, <laughs> I, um, yeah, my routine would be. Uh, n- not disciplined would be putting it kind of <laughs> but if, like if i have something on if i have something in the morning of course i can oh, do that course, but yeah. if you have a flight you're there like you don't miss the flight <laughs> but um i've always found that um if i don't i don't know uh, our work we're working a lot of american stuff and a lot of our yeah. guys in europe sort of i'd find at 2 3 4 p.m that's actually our busiest time at work and it's usually we find we're working no, it'd be midday to 8 p.m. or midday to 7 p.m. It's usually that sort of yeah. time schedule. And then yeah. by the time you finish at 9 or 8 or 7 p.m., you're sort of uh, takes you down a few hours to wind down. And before you know it, it's 3 or 4 a.m. <laughs> and you're asleep yeah. and then up again at 11 or yeah. midday. And it's yeah. pretty awful because you missed the whole morning. I'm not, a, I don't actually, <laughs> I'm not proud of it. By but I think, like, you know, I think there's a lot of pressure to, you know, especially like you're kind of you're spat through the school system. And you, it's very rigid, and it's like it's this one timetable that benefits yeah. early birds. And if you don't, if you don't kind of match up with that, well, then screw it you. Was, was up at, <laughs> well, I was going to say up at eight. I was up. There was times I was probably up half an hour before school short started, <laughs> and uh, managed to get to school. Well, ten minutes late. I was never on time at school <laughs> back in the day. I love that, mate. Look at you now. You're the you know you're the boss of your own company. It's great, man. That's because no one would hire me. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to do it. If you can't get hired, go and start your own thing. That's great. Uh, loads of places we could go here. I always like to do a wee bit of kind of like early days origin story stuff. My usual question is I ask people what's the first thing they remember. Yeah. I actually would like to go before that because you've got a really interesting pre-story. Oh, geez, I was going to say I've got the first thing I remember and then yeah, yeah. stuff I don't remember yeah, but so, apparently so, happened. So, so give me the, the stuff that you don't remember that has been communicated to you later in life. Um, well... Trying to remember, I, put all in, I, I wrote all the facts for yourself, um, and now I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head. I think I was 15 weeks premature, and then wow. well, I was born in July '96. I was supposed to be born October '96. So oh, fifth, when you put it like that, yeah. like we have we have mates that are expecting in October, and if everybody became in July, I'd be like, Whoa, yeah. Well, was, if I was business. born a week or two earlier, like the odds, it was probably 50 50 at the sort of time I was born. Wow. Any earlier, you know, it gets exponentially yeah, less likely. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, no, I was on life support, or well, I was in hospital, I should say, for 80, my first 81 days, I believe, of life. And uh, in that time, I got a heart operation, laser eye, all that sort of stuff. I was in an incubator, did all that good fun, apparently. I've seen, actually, um, last year, there was some old video camera, like, tapes. Yeah, they yeah, weren't yeah. the usual VHS, they were smaller. And I took them to, uh, yeah, with nothing to, to play them on. life easier. But yeah, and I had nothing to play them on. But I knew they were like off me yeah. when, like the days I was born and stuff. And I was like, oh, I feel like seeing what that was like. So I went, I got them digitalized at, um, down at uh, Snappy Snaps actually, quite nearby for oh, me. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, got them back on a CD or USB, I'm trying to remember. But um, 
and seen the back for the first time. And it was, I said, it was two pounds, one ounce, and it was just so tiny, which was, it's just under under a kilo, kilogram. That's so mad, isn't it? It's freaky. It is. I freaky. wish I was still. Under a kilogram, you're just like, you're just a spirit yeah, does, around I, the place. I, I know, That's I think mad. my bones would be more than that now, yeah. It's well, a, you know, like, not to madness. be, this is maybe a strange thing to say, but like, by looking at you, you wouldn't know. Whereas I know some preemies who, yeah. oh, you yeah. know, they're gross stunted and they're a little Exa- smaller exactly. and all that sort of stuff. Like, so I, have a big, I have a big scar on my back and that's pretty much the only thing wow. to show from it. Because I believe I was so small, they couldn't enter the heart from the front. No way. Like for the rib cage, stuff like that. So they had to go through the back and those keyhole surgeries. Madness. <laughs> that is I was madness. done at the Royal. I know, so... That was 96, um, wow. Yeah, we found, think of like, te- that's technology 26 know, years yeah. ago. Like now it's probably a bit less serious it still is pretty serious like because i was resuscitated several times apparently that's, and that's just nice. madness it's weird to know like you've had all that experience all that early trauma and stuff and you've yeah, uh yeah, yeah. nothing even no memory for it yeah. except for a scar it's actually, stories. i remember i was i was at the dentist one day and like there was a way my teeth had formed at the back i think it was the wisdom teeth or something or one of the molars and the dentist actually said that they showed the trauma Wow. And the third, the gnat is actually from the premature. So the, t- the, the whatever way the teeth are developed or whatever way the enamel, the enamel is on yeah. it um, actually shows the trauma from the premature. The, so interesting, isn't it? It's mad. So <laughs> what's the first thing you have in your working memory then? My working memory? Uh, you know, Earliest I can probably remember is 98 or something. Yeah. 98 or 99. Um, I remember being definitely... Because I was thinking about this because I knew this question was going to come up. So I've, I've, I've thought <laughs> about it. You're a man of research. I like this. Most people are like, oh, goodness, never thought about it. <laughs> I was like, ha um, What do you have for breakfast? What's your earliest memory? <laughs> Mate, you know me well. It's the formula. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, uh, my earliest memory, I think, I remember escaping the cot. Like, oh, yeah. And I remember like, a, and I pushing down the barrier and then crawling. And, like, so I couldn't walk, obviously. So I don't know what. I must have been two. And I remember that quite well, um, just crawling into my parents' room. And then I remember I remember being on the pram, and I was in the queue. I think it was in um, Marbella Airport or somewhere, or Faro in Portugal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember just having a tantrum. I remember kicking my legs and all. <laughs> and my parents just put the cover on the, <laughs> the pram. And I was like, that's it. No, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. Um, and I remember my first day of primary school in 2001. And then nice. I remember 10 days after that, very vividly. Obviously, of uh, 9-11, stuff like that. I remember that's that right, so yeah. early, um, yeah. vividly. Um, and that'll be, yeah, that's um, some of, some of my ones, earlier yeah. memories. No, that's cool. Very pre- precise. I love that. What Thank you. was the first gaming-related memory that you have? So, just plot twist here. So, I was born in 95. So, I'm curious if, like my gaming experience kind of like matches your uh, earliest gaming memory that jumps out uh, it was around Christmas 2000 and my mum tried to spoil my dad and buy him a PS2 and my dad was all what the hell did you buy a PS2 for <laughs> and I remember there was two games for it there was Simpsons Road Rage and uh, 007 Agent Under Fire Probably the latter of which barely worked, on the PlayStation barely team. worked. But Simpsons Road Rage is probably the earliest game I remember. Wow. Um, outside of that, on the Game Boy, obviously, uh, yeah, the Pokemon Ruby, Pokemon Sapphire, stuff like that. Yeah, I was kind of a bit after Gen Two when you know Pokemon Crystal, Silver, Gold all came out, so sure. I kind of missed that by a year. Yeah. But 
those would be sort of the earlier games I remember. Um, oh, I remember the Monsters Inc. game when it came out. Oh yeah, that was, I think that was the first game I actually bought. Monsters Inc. Scare Island on PS2, and then a Scooby Doo <laughs> Night of One Hundred Frights, oh, a man. classic. The classics, yeah, the classics. The absolute, yeah, yeah. They don't make them like they used it, to. It's like forget about like you know like Homer, like literature, Greek mythology. It's like these are the classics of our time, mm. you know. <laughs> but yeah, um, and I remember there was a uh, another a book racing game that my grandmother's house and she, it was on uh, the, there was a PS1 there and it was Hydro Thunder made by Midway Games and I just loved that game it was like a Mario Kart boat racing game it was just chaotic <laughs> and it was like it was just overpowered uh, uh, like power boats going through these really tight channels it's brilliant <laughs> that's awesome this is where we're going to start jumping over the place here so the formula is like slowly crumbling before our eyes okay I wanted to talk to you about boats because oh, yeah. there seems to be a couple of random wee threads in your story with boats so I, just, I like I like transport in general. Okay, so Avi- it's, more, it's aviation and boats. Yeah, yeah. Be, actually, I surprisingly didn't mention aviation at all, but I'd be probably more in the aviation than boats. I think Interesting. <laughs> so, like, did you ever go sailing? Did you no, ever... um, but my uh, my dad and my grandfather they jointly owned a twenty two point five footer sort of speedboat. It's wow. sold now, sadly. It was a Chaparral two two five. SSI, I think, was the model. And um, before that, there was a wee Bayliner, but the Bayliner was pre-2003. Yeah. From memory, I think it was by 2004 we got that boat. But yeah, I remember, so I've, I've always loved the sort of boats yeah. and yeah. Up, up in the northwest. There's a lot of sort of um, opportunities for boating between the sort of around uh, Fawn and uh, Donegal and Port of Bland, uh, up in near Dunfanaghy and stuff. And there's a lot of good boating areas up there and sort of a lot of my childhood summers were spent down there on the boats and stuff. Talk to me about your, I'm going to use the word relationship, right, with Titanic. Well, I've always liked the Titanic. Good movie, of course. So, <laughs> Do you uh, know what? I just rewatched it last week. I haven't seen it in about 10 years. We'd, fa- we'd family over and they were going to do the museum. I thought, like, why not actually watch the movie? They were younger, so we're like, how do you how do you make this kind of, like, come to life for them? Yeah, so, like, uh, no, I've, movie. I've always had a fascination and I think it's, you know, quite patriotic of uh, Northern Ireland, yeah, isn't of course, it? Of course. Yeah. It's not like we don't say anything about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, I've, uh, I've always just, I've admired the naval architecture of the ship. I think that area, that time period in ocean liners was, you know, it was pre the jet age, pre the sort of late 1950s when the jet age really took off, excuse <laughs> the pun. Um, and there was some brilliant ocean liners made there from Titanic or the Olympic class. Then you obviously the Cunard liners, Queen Mary mm-hmm. and uh, the Elizabeth, Lusitania. Well, there's some just beautiful. And the, the actual, the naval architecture of the ships is one thing, but it's the ornate and beautiful sort of marble and wood detailings throughout them. They're like palaces on the sea. And they don't make them like they used to, basically. Yeah, but that's what really stood out to me, like the coffee table book that you mentioned about Titanic. Titanic ship magnificent, yeah. Yeah, like it was the fact that it was the the shape of the skirting boards that yeah, jumped uh, that's out how, Well, the, the, like, well, I was just using that as an example of how detailed the book goes. Like, yeah. if you need to know... Any part of the paneling on basically any of the rooms in first class or anything, wow. it'll be somewhere in that book. Every rivet, every hull plate, every like the whole design of the ship's basically documented quite well in that. Incredible. Um, and then I ended up doing a recreation of the ship in about twenty eighteen in Minecraft, and um, so I learned the I learned the ship extremely well from that because it had obviously every single deck and I know the layout 
off the top of my head nearly That's now. Amazing. It's weird. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've never been on it, but yeah, I would know my way around if I was on it. Wow. Um, yeah, there's something strange about the kind of almost a virtual recreation of something. Mm. But you, you, like, you feel like you know it intimately. Yeah. Well, like, um, it's worth, there's an, a game that's doing exactly that. It's called uh, Titanic Honor and Glory. And they are 2D bolt recreating the ship. Um, really? they, they passed a milestone recently where it's being uh, past the 50% interior model mark. But I recommend checking it out. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's a big project. It would they, be really interesting to over see. Over yeah. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I wonder, now obviously it'd be hard to kind of gauge how much kind of workforce they had versus the actual the shipyard The team's very workers. small. Oh, well, uh, I'm trying to think shipyard Harland and Wolf. I think in the peak, which was the 1940s for Harland and Wolf, obviously during the war, I think they had like 30,000 people or something working for them. In the, it's a big undertaking to do digitally. Insane. It's massive. Insane. Um, when Titanic was built, I'm sure they still had north of 10,000. Yeah. My, uh, my grandfather and... His br- my great grandfather and his brothers, and then his dad, my great great grandfather, they all worked in the shipyard around really? that time period. Yeah, wow. that's my Belfast connection. I love that. <laughs> so, what's your business connection then? Because you you sent through a quote about your granda, and he was given some advice when he was starting his business by his accountant. And yeah, off the top of my head, it was. If you can't pay tax, you're not making enough money. <laughs> so, yeah, I, 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 had a, I had a few ones and I was like, I'll go for that. What, one. Was, like, what was his trade or what was his business? Um, so that's my mum's side. That's my, my other grandfather. Yeah, sure, yeah. Um, and he has uh, still alive. And um, he's got a supermarket chain up in the northwest with oh, five class. shops. Cool. He opened his supermarkets in uh, 1960. And obviously threw out the troubles, yeah, rebuilt, yeah, yeah. rebuilt, and then um, it just kept standing, I suppose, and still Brilliant. here today. Love that. As a business, no, so. How'd you end up on the news in China? <laughs> That's actually, so, hard pivot. Yeah, it was hard pivot. So I mentioned, uh, so I, my partner Morgan, she was working out, she worked two years, two, no, two months in, um, this is, I'm trying to think, get the timeline right, 20... 2019, late 2019, she went out to China for two months for uh, for a sort of work experience placement thing with Startup Bootcamp, Bootcamp uh, China. And she was a sort of startup scout in, uh, the, oh, cool. in Chengdu, which is a second tier city in China. But the population, I think, still is it like 20. No. It's it's it's, Incredibly it's, it's large. about seven million, I think. It's, you know, it's which is the same population of this whole island yeah. off the top of my head. Um, so she was out there, and I knew, I was reading about this replica being made, and I knew it was sort of in the same area. It was also in Chengdu, by complete coincidence. So um, I was always going to come out and see her in her last few weeks and just see that part of China. I'd been to East Coast, I'd seen Beijing and Shanghai, but I'd never really experienced mainland China. So I was like, I was always going to go out. This Titanic replica? Uh, to Chengdu in China. Was being and built, uh, yeah, in it's Chengdu? Built, yes. What? Yeah, it's inland. That's bonkers. Yeah, it's like in a it's it's landlocked. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say that detail. Yeah, it's oh not gonna, it's not going to sail. It's going to float, but it's not going to have propulsion or anything. Wow. Um, but so I knew they were doing this replica. I knew she was going out. I knew I was going to go out in the past two weeks. So I just called, emailed them, and said, "What did I say?" I remember saying, "Oh, I'm from Northern Ireland." Made my great grandfather. He, 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 he worked on the shipyard, and then they were all like, "Oh." God, that's really exciting. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> they, they really honed in on that. <laughs> and, and then the whole nutshell, and so I went out, we got a whole tour of the shipyard, 
and it was a mad experience. But to go to the news part, I remember there's a photo of me and there's about 10 cameras oh and mics all around me. And they're all asking about like my opinion of the ship. And I think the whole spiel of what they were taking was Northern Irish man approves of like oh, Chinese they were replica. looking for like yeah, the, the, the Twitters like yeah. blue tick of approval from blue Northern Ireland oh, yeah, that. I was like oh well <laughs> your your grandfather might have I know done a single rivet on it that's it you're qualified to approve <laughs> it uh, or, uh, or, and I was like oh, yeah, sure Love <laughs> but, that. but I remember and the tour was amazing around the shipyard um they kept taking us, there was this room, and we kept going to this room in one of the, like, uh, the canteen sort of area. And it was just a huge boardroom table in it, full of fruit. Wow. Every fruit, I was like, oh, no, that's bizarre. <laughs> but, but every time we came in, it was restocked. No way. It was such a... So, like, you take two grapes, and you go away, and the two grapes have been replaced. <laughs> I, well, they had, like, they had all these, like, solid, like, dragon fruits and stuff. It was amazing. Um, no, the hospitality that we got was incredible. Um, I made some contacts out there, and it's sort of like, when, if, if they ever finish it, it would be great to see again, yeah, sort of, in its later phase. Because they were only, it was only halfway up. They were only on D-deck yeah. from memory, um, which, so they hadn't even started the sort of actual, uh, I guess if I put it in layman's terms, the, the, the white part of the ship. So the black yeah, 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 part yeah, of the yeah, hull yeah. was done, but they hadn't done any of the, the white part, sort yeah. of on the higher parts of the hull. I'm just looking at my wee Titanic wooden figure over there, just as a point of reference. Yeah, that makes sense. Ah, gotcha. Exactly. Gotcha. Actually, no, I like, they have done maybe one, they one, one row of the white area. Oh, yeah. Cool. So your replica of Titanic that you built in Minecraft. Yeah. Was that built to scale? Mm-hmm. So how do you go about, what's your point of reference then? So one block is one meter cubed. Right. What I did was I took, I got, I paid for some high resolution plans of the ship. Uh, and I knew, I knew off the top of my head, I think the ship's 259 or 269 meters long. It's one or the other. Um, so I knew, right, that's how long the ship is. So I rescaled the plans so that, you know, stern to bow was 259 pixels because then one pixel would be one block perfect i then changed the contrast to make it like to exaggerate the lines and then use the software to import that into minecraft and that way it gave me accurate uh elevations plans cross sections almost had like a in-game blueprint yeah quite literally i did like that's how i did each deck so um the 10 or 11 decks i got there plans and then i had the whole side diagrams and i had the cross sections showing the actual shape of the hull at different bulkheads and stuff wow um i was pretty proud of it to be honest i was, I was one of my i mean like uh, you know you literally rebuilt the titanic <laughs> <laughs> i regret not doing a two to one scale i could have got because uh, i think it lost detail and it's a bit cramped inside whereas if i did a two to one scale where one block would have been 50 centimeters cubed yes i think it would have made a much more um I don't know, exciting sort of, uh, yeah. or a detailed experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. So... No sacrifice needed, yeah. Yeah, is one block the lowest unit of measurement you have within Minecraft? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, and then, uh, so whenever you came to, like, detailing, yeah. can you customize each block, say, to draw a fireplace on a block, or how did you go about doing it? Theoretically, the uh, there's... Yeah, well, you... Well, first, yeah, like, obviously, to talk about the compromise, you pick... The width of a wall, you can see it's like, you know, six, I don't know, it's like six inches, something like that. So, you know, yeah. for something like that, you're having an entire meter used up. So you start sacrificing uh, space internally. Yes, yes, yes. If the, um, But then to go into detailing, on that project specifically, um, 
if Minecraft has a lot of lot of blocks in it, um, and the ones that we don't use, we can like substitute uh, substitute for other textures. Mm-hmm. So say we wanted, I know in the Titanic one I did say there was like pink stained glass as a texture. Yeah, I'm not going to use that on the recreation, so I retextured that to be you know white railings to yes. match uh, yes. the Titanic's railings or. Uh, Recreated the stained glass windows in the smoking lounge on um, uh, B deck, <laughs> A deck, <laughs> uh, A deck. Um, and like to recreate, like yeah, those stained glass windows and stuff. Yeah. Um, there was things. There's a lot of you know, Minecraft's full of compromise, but the failure through its limits of like how tall you can make things, or with the palette and yeah. stuff like that, or the sizes. And I think that's why it stood the test of time because of those true flexibility. Why would you not just use a CAD engine or something mm. like rather than like that's interesting? Yeah. Like, have you ever heard that? I'm going to butcher the guy's name because it's, it's I'm trying to bring it into my RAM. I think it's like Chesterton GK Chesterton is mm-hmm. what my photographic memory is pulling up. But he has a quote where he says something just like, "The beauty of art is found in the limitations." One hundred percent. It is the frame of the picture that makes it beautiful. It is, and I think that's. Goes slightly philosophical. I think that's why Minecraft, as, as an example, same with Lego, have stood the sort of test of time is because there are limits, but it's still sandbox or open world. Yeah, I think that's why they've really the limits are good. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in the community like that want to push the game to push the game and push the game, and they would like, oh, we want you know higher height limits or more blocks, things like this. And I think doing that would take away from the beauty of the game. Um, because then it's just not the not the same. Yeah, because even like when you were talking about building the Titanic, I was thinking like, oh, like wouldn't it be great if you could have like smaller blocks? But then yeah. that that in there's of mods, itself, there's mods for that, and there's a reason they haven't caught on. I suppose. Yeah, it it, it it takes away from the simplicity of it, and the reason why I mean, you use Lego, and I think that's a great example. Like Lego's great because the eighty-five-year-old granda can play it with the eight-month, you know, grandchild, yeah. and there, there's something so beautiful about the simplicity of all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think we'll find a similar thing in the future. I think Minecraft's proven itself to become a multi-generational game. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been out now for 11, 11 years properly out, but in development since 2009. So it's on its 13th year now wow. of being out in the public. And, and still- that, that's the thing that's really surprised me. So I, unfortunately, I missed the Minecraft train. I was too busy playing RuneScape. I went, that, that's what okay. I did. I went really hard into RuneScape. My, my business partner, he was massive into oh, RuneScape. Oh, yeah. So I just I just missed it. And as an outsider to the community, uh, I am shocked that now it's getting picked up by the next generation. It is. Because I haven't really known many games to do that. Yeah. I think it's because like the, the average age of a Minecraft player is eight to twelve years old, roughly. In that range. That's where so that's where like the most of them are. Yeah. So you think about it, we're already on the second cycle now. Yeah, yeah. Because of the game's thirteen years old. Yeah. Eight to twelve year olds that are now playing it weren't even alive when the game first came wow, out. Oh yeah. That blows my mind and it does give me a slight existential <laughs> crisis because I started playing the game in twenty eleven when I was fourteen. So it's uh yeah. I look back and like these kids now are playing and they're all like they were born after I started playing Minecraft. I'm like, that's so weird yeah well you're like a veteran in the community you're like a gandalf <laughs> you're basically the, the gray beard uh, not graying yet but, uh, give me a week <laughs> so walk us through or at least start to walk us through because i'm sure you get this a lot from uh non-tech native older 
Northern Irish generations, mm. they're just kind of like, wait, what sort of business do you have here? <laughs> like, it's hard to explain a game like Minecraft to them, never mind. A you, digital, are, yeah. you are effectively like a digital product and service provider exactly. inside this virtual reality. Exactly. Is that fair to say? That's a, that would be it in layman's terms. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, we, there's a lot of talk, obviously, about the multiverse and the, sorry, mm. not the multiverse, that's Marvel, the metaverse. Metaverse. <laughs> and in some ways, you know, when you were talking about Titanic, I pictured myself. Now, I don't think you can actually do this. Maybe you can. I pictured myself like wearing VR goggles you and can. walking around you your can. Minecraft Titanic. You can do that. See, um, well, I think you still can. I don't know if support is discontinued on it or not. Um, I did it once. I'm pretty sure you can, though, now I'm thinking on it. Uh, it's it's a... Uh, I find it very nauseating. <laughs> I bet, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you go into fly mode and you're just like... <laughs> you know, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> would it, would, uh, like, I, I wouldn't get motion sick, but that made me a bit... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's something, the one or two there's, times there's something a little kind of like untethering about that. Isn't it's also it? weird because everything is cubey. It's like a dystopian yeah. future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, it's like, is this what Mario saw? <laughs> <laughs> so you started playing at 14. I did, yep, in 2011. I, I imagine you're like, you know, if you're anything like what I know 14 years be like, you were modern and, and breaking stuff and trying to push stuff. And Yeah. Like, how do you then like go from just being really into Minecraft to then making a business out of it i know that's quite a significant question but in your own time and words <laughs> um i think there was major milestones that sort of led to where we are um for me um i'm trying to think so i used to uh, i for many years just played it as a hobby and just mm-hmm. enjoy making stuff come around um 2013, 2014, I started getting into doing some stuff for a few servers, and that was the first time I ever made money from it, and I'm talking like, it was $100 for like a week's work and stuff, it was atrocious. <laughs> and so again, just uh, just in layman's terms, so like, a server is... Um, it's, t- it's tough <laughs> when you put it like that, because RuneScape also had servers, it's like, wait, what actually is that? Um... I don't think I was just before, and if I was, it's, it's, it's like a, just a multiplayer sort of hub where uh, players can join and there's games and it depends it's, but it's ultimately it's a multiplayer experience I guess it's, okay. it's, a, it's somewhere you can join um, and I, someone hosts this yeah someone hosts this yeah. I was going to say, I hope this Jap definition's not used. We'll have a nice week in Dublin here. We'll have a nice a server, isn't it? Like a big textbook answer. Yeah, Microsoft Sam reading it out. Yeah. <laughs> better than what I just said. So there's there's lots and lots of different servers. Like, uh, in, I'm going to butcher this. I'm going to give a terrible definition of a server. But, like, kind of like different planets you can go yeah, to yeah yeah and on each planet there's lots of different types of things yeah everything's different and yeah. someone runs the planet and owns the planet yeah and therefore they hired you to come and make their planet better or build something that's on a fa- that's a very good layman's term way okay. to put it um, <laughs> yeah so yeah i worked when i worked in the service i was as a sort of builder so i was doing level design back then and uh like for their mini games i'm trying to think of any um I don't know, like Capture the Flag, for example, a classic yeah. game like that. I would be the sang and Capture the Flag maps within Minecraft and nice. stuff and the level of sang associated with that. So that's where I sort of got my start on that end of things. I built up a sort of portfolio on that and sort of similar time, about maybe a few months later, um, our the City of Culture took place in Derry, Londonderry in sort of 2013. 
and there was funding from it to sort of bring uh, you know, Minecraft into education, things that. like that. I'm trying to think, it was 50,000 licenses purchased uh, for Minecraft EDU back in the day. But anyway, there was a big push for Minecraft education in Northern Ireland. And obviously being Northern Irish, and there is not having a lot of competition in the commercial field, there was uh, free word of mouth. Um, I got in touch with the guys um, at uh, Culture Tech, um, which is now dissolved, RIP. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but anyway, it was with Culture Tech, and I remember having the day. There was they were they were doing a contract with the Belfast Telegraph, and they wanted me to recreate sort of four iconic landmarks in a, a, for an island for a competition, and. Um, I remember one of them was Samson and Goliath, the City Hall, the Guild Hall in Derry, and then they wanted the Giant's Causeway. Tough. But that was going to be a pain in the ass. That's tough. And then I was like, right, Miss it in Temple? Well, but like, yeah, we love Miss Oh, even better. You're like, Thank goodness. Hexagons do not work with square blocks. Yeah. Well, uh, ironically, in a project we're doing at the minute, which isn't released yet, we have done the Giant's Causeway thing very well. Oh, um, cool. I didn't work on it, but. One of our guys, he did it extremely well. And I look, like, finally we've done the Giants Causeway esque thing in Minecraft. Love it. But yeah, so we did that 2013. Um, obviously, simultaneously, you're in the community, you're meeting people, they're yeah. doing things. Um, I'm trying to think. Can I ask a, a small business question? So, you can. back to these servers. Yep. How are they making money? Like, how do they have money to pay you to do level design? If that makes sense. Okay, so back then, monetization was a bit different. Uh, but ultimately, they would have had a store on the server. Okay. So their outgoings, ultimately, they have, they have their developers and their actual server costs. Yeah. And I know back then, the server costs for this unnamed server was about uh, £16,000 a month. My it was goodness. Insane. And that's just like for the hardware. That's the hardware. Yeah. To run it exactly, all. Exactly. For a data center in France. Madness. Um, so they, um, but they monetized by, um, they sold ranks on the server or uh, consumable like vanity items, like to make your character look cool or give yeah. them like, I don't know, a horse to ride on around the yeah. sort of communal areas of the server and stuff like that just sold extremely well. It was very much low price point, high units. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of early day, what we would kind of talk now is like in-app purchases, that sort of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And this is we're going back 2013 2014 at the yeah. minute so microtransactions were still a thing but um that was sort of yeah a very bootstrapped way to do it <laughs> yeah 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 Yeah, star wars hadn't tried to do it yet or anything no, like that no not at all <laughs> um it's worth doing as well this is on the old version of minecraft which is java edition so there wasn't any like mine coins or anything like that it mm-hmm. was completely different um infrastructure to like purchase it was a software called Bycraft run on the back end and it was like a third-party website, and you put your username on there, and then it actually added it in-game. It was very disjointed oh, looking crazy, back on it. Yeah. Um, so they've all brought that in-house now, I imagine? They've brought an equivalent in-house, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, my, well, Microsoft, did. they acquired the game around 2014, and obviously have improved it massively. Yeah. And yeah, one of their things was bringing a dedicated currency to the yeah. game, which obviously was a win-win situation. Yeah, because then they get they get a cut of the pie. I they do, and well. it, but it gives an element of security to the customer yeah, as well. So there was a win-win. That's cool. So you build out your portfolio, yep. design built these the, great levels. Yep. Built the portfolio. I then got, I got my fingers burnt working for a server around late, mid to late 2015. 
And that experience was, I sort of decided at that point, because uh, I was doing, it's worth knowing, so I was working for the servers and then simultaneously doing freelance. The, uh, the stuff I was doing of Northern Ireland uh, was freelance. Um, so I was doing it by myself and working for other people at the servers, but running the sort of team there um, with another guy. Um, but I anyway, got the fingers burnt and uh, I was kind of like, right, I don't want to work for anyone else. Sure. Doing the own thing. And I was actually ranting to uh, my friend at the time, uh, Alex, on the phone about it and being like, oh, those bloody servers are all I got there. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to start my own team with this. And then Alex said in that phone call, I remembered well. And this was about September 2015. And I was like, oh, do you want to go, do you want to do something together? Do you want to go 50 50 on it? And uh, that was the start of Blockception then. Wow. And that's, so it started out of an angry phone call, basically, <laughs> looking back on it. Um, that's class. And it's crazy looking back, because yeah. uh, I couldn't imagine it any different. We've grown from literally nothing. We, we, uh, we took on no funding, fully bootstrapped. Uh, we never went to venture capitalists, anything like that. Just, it didn't work for our model, of course, because we're basically an agency. Sure, yeah. So we just grew the business organically over the past ooh, seven years. But it's worth noting the real growth only happened from 2017 when the company was actually registered mm-hmm. prior to that it was basically a hobby for myself and alex yeah. we did a bit of small work here and there yeah but it was sort of late 2016 is when it turned around for us um so what was like how did you shift from and i'll use probably kind of inappropriate language here but how do you switch from like a freelancer model where you're doing wee bits and pieces mm-hmm. here and there to something that is scalable yeah it didn't happen overnight um so the first thing I would say, so twenty when in twenty sixteen, late twenty sixteen, we were actually close to sort of throwing in the towel of Blockception. It just wasn't getting any work. Work had dried up in Northern Ireland. Uh, it just wasn't sustainable. Um, and we were literally we had, we had a deal agreed with a guy. We were going to agree, and it was pretty much right. You can run it for us. We'll obviously keep the brand, but you run it for us. And we were, I think, a day or two. From sort of, you know, just giving them the keys per se. Like, God, oh, do what you want. Or, uh, and uh, we got, uh, or Alex got an email from um, Microsoft, like a girl in Microsoft. I, I think that. that was like just literally like 24 hours before. And uh, it was basically like, hey, we've got uh, this idea. Um, are you interested in doing a project with us? And that was a map called uh, Lost Civilization, which was when they added like llamas and stuff to the game. So they wanted to make like a South American inspired awesome. map. And we did like a Machu Picchu thing and <laughs> the, like the Inca Trail and stuff. Um, and that was the real turning point. So that happened and we were like, oh, brilliant. And that was the most we'd made from a single commission. And it was still, for the record, four figures. And uh, low four figures. Sure. And uh, it was massive to us. Um, and then a few months, I'm going to say a month or two later, uh, we were approached again and Microsoft were like, oh, we've got this idea for like to do a marketplace thing. Would you be interested in being one of the launch cart, uh, partners in oh it? Oh, my goodness. And that obviously was the Minecraft uh, marketplace, which then launched in June 2017. And we were one of nine launch partners on it. Wow. Put it in perspective, now, I think there's must be two over 200 at least. Mm-hmm. I think there's that's more. Um, partners on it now, and we were in at the ferry, you know, day one. So, like again, like contextualizes for us. Is this kind of like you were invited onto the Amazon or the eBay of Minecraft, and you had a chance to sell your own products on there? Exactly. Yeah. So, the, so the model was very different in the marketplace. So, rather than doing fixed contract prices yep. and then coming a few times 
every year. Mm-hmm. We had an opportunity to make royalties from our projects. Productization, um, baby. And, Beautiful. Uh, okay, we were only getting a few uh, percent of a of a dollar. Yeah. Um, but well, it's a bit more than that, actually. It's quite. Uh, but we were. Uh, um, but like you said earlier, microtransactions yeah. scale. Yeah. So if we're yeah. Uh, I know I can't say the exact number sure, yeah, yeah. under NDA, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were getting um, we were getting a percentage anyway per dollar, and it was a small you know pennies, and um, but it scaled up because rather than you know selling you know, one unit to one person, you're selling yeah. tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, that's even incredible. millions of units. Absolutely, yeah. and that's where it the model is now. And now I think on the marketplace we've got as of today around two hundred and. This is including stuff submitted and not out yet, but we've about 200 and I'm going to say 64 products off the top of my head, um, ranging from maps to skin packs to uh, resource packs, etc. And you you did include it. I'm going to butcher the number, so I might just ask you, in terms of units sold, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. was it 16 or what was it? 40. 40 million? Yeah, over 40 million products. That inc- now, disclaimer, that includes free products. Sure. For a bit of it. Yeah. Most of it. Uh, but still, it's an, a, like it's it's weird, I think. Like, one product alone that we released for free um, has over 11 minute, million units. Like, that's, that's significantly carnage. more than this entire island. And I just <laughs> yeah. can't, I cannot get my head around that. Wow. Like, so, in, in ter- so again, like I said at the start of this, like I'm not trying to get you to divulge anything you can't divulge. Of course. But I'm just curious, like, what are some of your best-selling stuff? Um, the best-selling, we did a series called Lux Furniture, um, and it's actually now it's had its fourth installment, but specifically um, episode one, per se, and episode three of the series, they did very well uh, for us. Um so people are buying furniture. Yeah, it was basically like a furniture mod within Minecraft. So yeah. it came with about, a f- uh, I think, over 1,200 furniture options. Now it's a key word, options. That included color variations. Uh, unique furniture, there was definitely a couple of hundred items. Wow. Um, and it just... I was like, I was like merging the Sims with Minecraft nearly, <laughs> and uh, I was with uh, like you know tables, chairs, grandfather clocks, bookshelves. Like I just it allowed the players to sort of take their games to the next level. Yeah. And then each installment, we sort of one upped it. So the first one was like this lakeside retreat. I remember there was like a little jetty of a seaplane outside, and then the second one was this ridiculously sized super yacht <laughs> the third one was like an LA uh, mansion on a hill and then the fourth one was like a big country estate so awesome. it's all being these sort of like uh, Instagrammable uh, yeah, properties yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, things yeah. and uh, no they did they've, they've been the heavy uh, two of those were the heavy hitters and then the third uh, one of our another product that did well was um, we did a partnership with um, Cartoon Network Warner Brothers um, to make the Ben 10 DLC for Minecraft. Oh, awesome. So we brought Ben 10 into Minecraft that's and we released so cool. that June 2021. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been very well. And that's it. But, you know, between those, uh, between those sort of, uh, few products, we were left in a situation where we had, you know, a good chunk of reserves. So it gave us the opportunity to invest elsewhere via, you know, real estate and stuff like that. Absolutely. So I'm really interested in, this idea, we had a great guy called Ryan Scullinan. He works for an esports yeah, I know Ryan, yeah. company. And he was in talking a little bit the metaverse. And I think it's really interesting now to see, uh, and again, this is a, a terrible word to use, but like actual legitimate 
companies and IPs <laughs> <laughs> like paying to get on board and yeah. into this virtual space in some sort of yeah. way. So you mentioned Cartoon Network. Yeah. Like, you know, are we going to see like like Gucci coming onto Minecraft? Are we going to see Ikea coming onto iCraft? You know what I mean? Like are, are companies going to start and think like, okay, we have a physical product offering. Well, How do we add like this this virtual product offering as well for a world like Minecraft? My answer would logically be uh, yes, that will happen. It's it's not strictly the metaverses as such, but it is ultimately. Uh, Minecraft's got 200 million units out there, and if they release a free product and get 10 or 11 million downloads, that's very good marketing. Yeah. Um, so sorry, you said you don't consider Minecraft to be the metaverse? Why not? Or well, I, I'm I know. So I know. So that. well, I don't actually understand the metaverse. Because <laughs> okay, nobody does. Rich. Um, that puts me at ease. <laughs> um, but ultimately, there's no blockchain technologies. There's no NFT stuff like that. And if, if anything, Microsoft slash Minecraft released a statement a few months ago, basically banning any Minecraft related NFTs yeah. and stuff. So I would say it's. Uh, there, they're not. There isn't that much crossover between the two series. There's, sure enough, yes, I think parallels, because it's like, like we did a partnership with Lacoste, and it came out last March, and it was bringing their that. fashion and stuff into <laughs> Minecraft, and we did a sort of, we did a map called Crocodile Island, and um, it was the sort of our Crocodile Island actually was renamed, um, uh, and it was sort of. Uh, to show their sort of brand and bring their brand through Minecraft and uh, stuff like that. Yeah, that is very similar to Metaverse, except yeah. it's Minecraft. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. There is a, yeah, there's a lot of parallels, yeah. but they're ultimately different, I believe, by definition. No, that's cool, that's cool. Um, okay, come out of Minecraft for a second then. Like, you mentioned... I know you're like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Put me back in, coach, come on. <laughs> How do you run your business? So I guess... What I'm asking is we talked about kind of like your daily schedule loosely. I don't yeah. know if we were on or off when we did that. But, you know, you obviously, like all of us, are spending a lot of time on your screen. Yep. Will you have like company meetings on Zoom or will you have company meetings Discord. within Minecraft? No, I'm on uh, Discord, which is similar to, uh, I guess, Zoom and stuff yeah. um, or Slack. Um, we would do meetings just twice a week, uh, or company wide ones. And you have a remote team, obviously. Totally. Uh, so we've, off the top of my head, it's a changing number, but we have about 10 ish full time working with us around the world. Um, I think half of those are based in the sort of, uh, the UK. Um, and then subcontractors, uh, part time subcontractors, we've probably an additional ooh, 30 or 40. Um, and it ranges from, West Coast America, all around Europe, you know, Estonia, Germany, uh, um, Northern Ireland, um, uh, Australia, and Iraq uh, would be cool. one for more exciting like, ones. Is there like a bulk of your workforce that are designers or like where where do you, what roles do you need the most or is it just like any business? Yeah, the, the bulk of our workforce would be builders or yeah, like in-game 3D modelers, as we call it. like so, the, so they're the ones literally making the levels in game. Wow. Um, other roles in the company would be we'd have maybe with half a dozen developers. Yeah. Um, we'd have a couple of sound guys working on SFX and sound effects. Everything from um, when you know in the furniture map we talked about, if you clicked on the toilet, it would make a flushing sound. <laughs> has someone to, someone has that. to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
so we did that. Um, we had script writers. So like for our more of our adventure maps or story-based maps with people actually piecing together the scripts. So cool. Uh, with 3D modelers, which is different from the in-game ones. They're actually making those uh, assets. I talk about things like the furniture. Yeah. Like they make the furniture on external software, which we then import into Minecraft. Um, and then, well, yours truly, I'm sort of looking after business admin and finance end of mm-hmm. the uh, company. And then, um, yeah, and that's pretty much it. And we've obviously we have project managers mm-hmm. are, as well throughout the the uh, operation. That's cool. So the builders, as you call them. Builders is the bulk of it, definitely. They're kind of, they're spending most of their time in-game actually building stuff. Um, any time working for us is in game, yeah, yeah, literally. And what about you? Like, how often are you spending as a rough percentage, like in game? Oh, suppose you're kind of being taken away from it more and more now. That uh, you're in uh, that exactly, um, ex- exactly that. Um, at the minute, there's a project we're working on, and I'm probably more in game than I have been in probably over a year. Uh, just with the 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 build styles in it, it's sort of up my street with realistic building. Uh, I probably handed off the Titanic stuff that I enjoy realism. I enjoy yeah. not recreations, but I just enjoy scale building and stuff. Yeah. So in Minecraft, whereas some of our guys are more fantasy or Absolutely. medieval, and they've all everyone specialises in yeah. build styles and design styles or art styles. Um, I don't know. I'd say it's probably a quarter of my time, if, if even. Um, all our times taken up from. Fun tasks such as payroll, VAT <laughs> returns, <laughs> HR meetings, or well, uh, just uh, and uh, well, and then dealing with our whole uh, the property and the things as well, and yeah. the whole process there from viewings and uh, conveyancing and the headaches associated with uh, oh, tenants. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so, uh, and I'd also yeah deal with like the meeting solicitors, accountants, and the sort of. Just all that really thrilling stuff that uh, nobody wants, <laughs> nobody else wants to do. That's it. Yeah, behind <laughs> uh, my business, behind partner. an army of builders in game, there yeah. is someone who's taking care of the brass tacks. Because then, my business partner, he would be sort of our creative lead. So yeah. he would look after the sort of direction of the projects, and he would handle the communications with like Microsoft and our stakeholders. Nice one. So working with like the likes of Lacoste to get their product yeah. in the game, and yeah. ultimately get the client requirements and communicate that to then the builders and stuff to flesh out um so he's that sort of end of things there's a good synergy there definitely Uh, are you ready for another very hard pivot i like hard pivots talk to me about vin diesel (laughs) (laughs) i i I purposely phrased it as a sort of randomly as possible as well (laughs) all right so it was a holiday it was all it was a pretty weird experience um uh a holiday in 20 11 we were on it was a cruise on the ms nautica around the greek islands it was lovely and uh for about oh, i'm trying to think it was about a two-week cruise and for a good week of it we talked about this finn diesel lookalike at the pool right it was hilarious and anyway, it turned out it was him oh nice and, uh, and i didn't actually know who he really was at the time mm-hmm. and it was only after i'd met him that uh or after the holiday i'd looked up on sort of uh facebook at the time and saying oh god he's got like 30 million followers <laughs> I didn't get a bloody photo. So I swear I am I am telling the truth. I didn't make this up. It's <laughs> a likely story, Jonathan. <laughs> um, and then on that same trip, I talked to me about the experience of steering the cruise ship. Um, 
and I was playing ping pong with a guy called uh, Darren, and his he knew everyone on the ship because his parents were the entertainers on board. Nice. So he was on the ship for months yeah. at a time. And it was, um, I was trying to think. I was fourteen. He was twelve. Um, coincidentally, it was a few months after I started playing Minecraft. This, um, and we were playing ping pong anyway one evening. And I remember on the cruise ships when the ship it was a small ship. The GRT gross registered tonnage was about I don't know forty forty five thousand tons. So you know they rock a wee bit. And we were playing ping pong anyway, and the captain came out and some other guy. The pool deck was empty for some reason. It was only just us two on the pool deck. I think it must have been dinner time. Captain came out and he had someone with him, and he wanted to use the ping pong table. And I was like, oh, well, how do you make kids go away from the ping pong table? You're like, oh, you want to see the bridge? We're like, yeah. <laughs> so we went up to the, the bridge so the captain could use the ping pong table. And then we were up at the bridge. I remember we were talking to the second officer and stuff like that, and they were really surprisingly chill. And I remember them being like, oh, you want to steer the ship? And yes. I was like, what? And then I like, remember the wheel. The wheel was about this size. And I just grabbed, took it and like did that. And you could feel a jolt. What I didn't realize was that on the roof, it was the navigation sort of, oh, like the heading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like steer at five degrees. And I was like, I had no indicator to see like, how many degrees am I at. Yeah. Because I was supposed to look up and just slowly do it. And I just jumped <laughs> out. <laughs> and I remember that. And I was like, I remember it was an open waters on the way to Crete. And it was one of those. Crazy experiences. I was just so awesome. the, I think there was like five hundred passengers on board, so it wasn't massive, but yeah, it's it was pretty awesome. Like, yeah, it was definitely. It's a, it's a minority. Uh, not many people have shared the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're you're among uncommon. But it was just it was the weirdest just... thing. You know, being holding the wheel and just feeling this huge jolt, or well, it's not planet. huge jolt, but just feeling this massive yeah, fecal feel behind yeah. you, the power. Totally, totally. Uh, it was awesome. I often ask people, like, as we start to wrap up the episode, like. What has been the most challenging moment so far of the journey? Oh, um, you can't say the first 80, 81 days of my days life. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jesus, there's a million, there's a million things. Um, if I was to talk pure, pure career wise, uh, for Blockception 2019 was quite a struggle. We had before 2019. We had no employees working with us, so it was just contractors. And we found out that our output had really stalled. And financially, you know, we were pretty, you know, near a rock, so it was pretty awful. And we made the decision then. We had a bit of money left, tiny bit, and we got one more product out. That did semi-decent, and then with that, we hired two people from that to go full-time on one as a programmer, one as a 3D modeler. And that sort of turned things around. Um, I look, I've summarized a good six months there in a few sentences. That's <laughs> impressive. It made it sound a lot easier than it was. <laughs> that from business, that period really stood out as sort of like, because we were, there was a month, our turnover for a month was, you know, a couple of thousand. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, we did have one employee um, who was a programmer and, you know, I could barely pay him. Yeah. Um, so like myself and my business partner, we cut our salaries completely for, yeah. ooh, probably about a year we were living off cornflakes um yeah. and we were very much we had to make the sacrifice now and you know uh just for the long-term success of the company and yep. uh it, well it paid off but uh it was bloody stressful yeah you don't know what um, it's done, like. oh, so that your original question was sort of what the biggest hurdles so far um oh uh, school so i was gonna say school was sort of the later years of school was pretty 
I was a good C student, as I call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but earlier years, you know, Billy and stuff like that, it was pretty absolutely awful. But I think everyone's experienced it in some manner. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty rough. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think. But you know, that, that definitely from the business, it was not the yeah, 20, yeah. 2019 yeah. period of the, the uncertainty and just knowing, like, is this sustainable? Yeah. And then sort of it all just turned. What about the most successful moment? Um, hopefully yet to come. <laughs> Good answer. What's your proudest build? Uh, proudest. Or build Ooh. your most proud of. Excuse my English. Well, for me personally... Um, I'm very proud. It was a map. It was our third map I released. It was called White Rock Castle, and I did that pretty much solo. Wow. Um, I just I look at it now, and I couldn't make something like that. I very much look at it and go, right, that's where I picked as an artist because I'm <laughs> so much lazier now. That's like, your uh, Magnus Opus, and that that was artistically that was probably my best piece. Uh, financially proud of. Obey the stuff I mentioned earlier, the, the Ben 10 DLC. I yeah. think I think the final product is incredible, and I'm so proud of the team yeah. on that. And I think everybody gave it 110 percent shows on the final product. Um, I think yeah, the, the just the detail um, that we built skyscrapers and we didn't copy paste any assets. We literally every apartment in these skyscrapers was different interiors. Wow. We just went overboard on it. That's so cool. um, no, definitely as an actual product. And a polished experience. Yeah, the Ben 10 DLC is the, the most proud one I've released. Um, I'd, I'd just everything about it. The planets aligned on it, per se. Yeah. Um, just it did well. It looks well. Everyone enjoyed working on it. I think when you've got the passion or the, um, I know, not, yeah, when you're motivated and excited to be doing something, mm. you'll give it not even 110%, you'll give it 120%. Sure. And I think it really shows in the final product that everybody was having fun and enjoying it. Yeah, I think that that stands out as a single awesome. product. What about if you could meet anyone from Northern Ireland? You can take a drink if you want. Thank you. I'll go very slowly for this next question. This mm-hmm. is real-time editing. That's what we love. If you could take anyone dead or alive from Northern Ireland out for a cup of coffee or a pint or whatever, who would you take and where would you take them and why? Oh, jeez. Northern Ireland. Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, I would probably say slightly boring. I don't say boring answer, but uh, I'd probably pick my late grandmother. Um, she passed last year, actually a few weeks before Ben Ten came out, May May twenty twenty one, and uh, I know I'll do anything to have a coffee or chat to her again. And just I guess she was sort of. She never got to see the real exponential yeah, phase yeah, that yeah. happened in the past, like since June, because June was really that's when we it really uh, took off. Yeah. Um, I just love I uh, love just her little feedback and stuff and all that. Yeah. Uh, where would I go? I don't know, probably just her kitchen. Just I know, <laughs> so just uh, I, I just uh, to go back that. to go back to her kitchen and just yap of her would be I would give it for the world. Yeah, if, I'm trying to think celebrity wise. I don't know. I mean, your granny's. That's, a, it's a, that's, that's, a, that's yeah. a good answer, yeah. Yeah, but granny's kitchen, there is something about that. Like, I well, think magical about my, memories, yeah. I think about my great-granny's kitchen. And, you know, like, you know she's obviously, she's, she's dead and gone. Did you met your great-granny? Yeah, wow. I was actually really close to my great-granny. Wow. I was really lucky, yeah. I think I must have young parents or something. I or, met one great-granny, but I was six when she passed, yeah. or five. But I just remember that kitchen, like, and it was like, it was the centre of the universe. 
Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like it was like the planets uh-huh. revolved around that space. Yeah. And then when someone passes, you know, the the life of the home is just completely gone. Someone oh. else moves in and it's, you know. 100%. It's different. Um, it's really different. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, no, man, I shared the Aiga and all that. And I was just oh. stood at the Aiga. I was nothing beats an Aiga. Nothing beats an Aiga. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe that's going to be one of my like, life goals is to get an Aiga. <laughs> oh, it is. Exactly. You like get a wee electric Aiga these days, uh, I think. You know, um, with the our first world problem is, uh, at least in my, in my parents' house, and like I'm in an apartment, so definitely not, but, uh, we've got an inverted house. So the kitchen's upstairs, bedrooms are downstairs. Oh, yes. And the wood floor can't support the weight of an Aiga. Oh, of course you can. That's so just, Awful, so you know, rip just yeah, 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 rip, yeah. rip the house apart and build it right Absolutely, all right. Final question, mate. If you could go back in time to a 18 year old Jonathan and you had a couple of minutes of his time, mm. what sort of things would you say to him? Oh, see, that was an interesting. So, my biggest regret from back then, I, I didn't, I, I took a gap year, didn't go to a full time uni. I still, still maybe would have been like, oh, maybe you should do that and stuff. But outside of that, I guess just value, value time with the sort of loved ones around you. No one's around forever sort of thing. Yeah. I think business-wise, you know, I don't have massive regrets mm-hmm. to date. Um, I guess I'll just say not to rush into things. Don't get ahead of myself pace myself and just uh, not run before I can walk which I can probably yeah. be guilty of at times and go like I can just I want to do a sprint and get with my be impatient so so many times but uh, I don't know it's uh, probably wish I wish I still uh, I don't know yeah I, I think I think biz, business wise I'm pretty content I'm, I'm happy with how it Fail free, so like, and you know, it could be like if you change one thing, the whole chain of events yeah, can yeah, change. Yeah, 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 I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I don't really want to change that, yeah. but definitely, uh, I don't know, yeah, do, do actually, yeah, refines from my A levels. That would have been a good one, that would have helped me, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty bright idea. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I'll throw in one more then. Like, what are you most looking forward to business wise, say, over the next year, two years? Um. Our our strategy with the property stuff is to build passive income. Um, yeah. um, so I'm naturally looking forward to acquiring more stuff and increasing the passive income because to me that's weight off our shoulders. Yes. It kind of means, right, if, you know, dare I say if anything went wrong or something, I always have that safety net. Um, yeah. I think because we're in a virtual company like ours, normally there isn't really safety nets you don't have you know your bricks and mortar to protect you or things like that so that is something i naturally look forward to is just financial freedom quote unquote of what that'll bring um outside of that i hope we do bigger and better projects Mm -hmm. i think we will i hope we will um just looking forward to see what comes there's some that i would love to do um and we're just fingers crossed we end up getting them um and yeah i just and Hope we just break our records. I think yeah. that's uh, the only way because I don't want to. No, we wouldn't want to take a step backwards. We always have to go. It's like a wrench, it has to always go one direction yeah. and forward. Yeah. Is the only way, but definitely, I'd say work wise, yeah. Excited for the future projects and excited for just stability as well because yeah. the stability it doesn't even help myself and my business partner, it's for all our employees. Absolutely. Just knowing, right, right, if there's a real lull with the low of the marketplace and like turnover dries up and it's a longer sort of time period before our next project 
we have something in a complete other sector yeah. to guarantee their wages. Yeah, that's um, and that's sort of my mythology with it is to give them security. Because mm-hmm. if they've got security, then ultimately that means the company is security. Yeah. And I think that's our approach. And the sooner, like, we're slowly getting there, but mm-hmm. the sooner we fully are there and yeah. that, I know, say our rent, our net rent is the equivalent to what our outgoings are, that yeah, will yeah, be yeah. a brilliant day because that will awesome. be the company truly running itself. Yeah. Um, but it'll be a few years until we get to that <laughs> if ever incredible yeah Jonathan lad really really loved that that was um, really insightful man. good crack as well lots of funny banter moments along uh-huh. the way and uh yeah <laughs> lots, love- of, lots of cuts <laughs> <laughs> I love your business think it's cool and genuinely like wish you every success going mm-hmm. forward I love your podcast yeah it's a win-win win-win <laughs> love it bro <laughs>